Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. These are words taken from Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. They are the core testimony of Israel about the nature and character of Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of the Old Testament, and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In a time when there are so many claims being made about God and about what God is like, it is important to revisit this testimony of what God is really like, especially because I believe our ideas about God ends up being determinative of so much in life. I would likely use it to share with you for today's reflection, this ancient credo. It is a text that itself is formative of many other texts in the Old Testament, both in the book of Psalms and in sections of the prophets and in the book of Lamentations. I would like to suggest that at the outset, these words with these positive adjectives are the core ideas of God in the Bible. We note in them a God compassionate and gracious, abounding in love and faithfulness and forgiving iniquity, transgressions and sins for a thousand generations. But notice that as soon as it says that, it asserts the other side of the coin. God is neither one dimensional nor sentimental. He holds the guilty responsible and even if sins are forgiven, the consequences of sin do not disappear, but can have a long lasting and abiding effect long after the initial perpetrators have died. It confronts us both with the grace and the mercy of God and the moral seriousness of God. When we accept the compassionate, gracious, and forgiving God, we should allow ourselves that this is not a soft and sentimental God who lacks moral seriousness and is flaccid and indecisive in moral terms and who lacks firmness, but one who, to whom and by whom persons are held accountable.
the core credo says that God holds the guilty accountable and sin has consequences. At issue here is what are the essential characteristics of God? There are many who parade themselves as those having the measure of God, and they go about making wild and outlandish claims about God and what they can get God to do. Mostly nowadays, God is the great benefactor who lavishes material benefits on certain people, mostly those connected to those making these wild claims. The other thing that they do is to use this God to threaten the people that they do not like or do not approve of or who are not like those making these claims. So what is God really like? This text captures the core attributes. The text makes four central assertions. God is compassionate. The word used for compassion is a word that is used to speak about a mother's womb. It attributes to God in God's essential nature, a quality of affection that is tantamount to what a mother has for her child. Then it asserts that God is gracious. And here it is talking about the fidelity and generosity of God. God does what God does without a hint of concern for compensation, reward, or benefit. Rather, God acts freely and God acts generously. Then it says that God is slow to anger. Here the text uses metaphoric language. It is, build, it is also building on another metaphor. When the Hebrew wants to say that God is angry, in certain places it uses an expression that says that God's nose is red. Here what is translated slow to, to anger is literally, literally that God's nose is long. And by that it is suggesting that God has enough time for God's anger to cool before punishment is effected. Effect is given to this idea in the New Testament Gospel of John, where the account of Jesus' cleansing the temple is given. In that account, it says that Jesus made a whip of fine cords and then used it to drive out the money changers out of the temple. The time to make a whip of fine cords is enough time for one's anger to subside. God does not punish quickly or intemperately, but even judgment is tempered with mercy. And that is who God says God is. Fourthly, it says that God forgives. The text uses a full range of the vocabulary available to talk about sin, iniquity, which is disposition, transgression, which are the acts we commit, and sin, which is the thing we neglect to do, like loving God with all our hearts and our neighbor as ourselves. God's forgiveness is inclusive and extensive and comprehensive. It reaches us wherever we are and in the pits that we have fallen into. It is intriguing that this text does not say anything about God's power. It is not that God is not powerful, 
God is all-powerful, but it is not power that makes God God. Rather, it is compassion and grace and love and forgiveness that belong to the essential nature of God. It speaks about the generosity of God, but not measured in terms of material benefits, but something far more curative of the human condition and the human situation, mercy and forgiveness. The significance of this text lies in the fact that it is God's self-disclosure of God's self. It is given at, the, at a low point which was the golden calf incident. The golden calf was what was thought of as the replacement for God, that particularly low point in the story of the nation of Israel, that particularly what Israel made when they wanted a God more readily to hand and more available to do what they wanted done. The golden calf was an affront to the nature of the true God and incurred the anger and wrath of God. Those who remember the text will recall that God was about to wipe Israel off the face of the earth and Moses, the man of God, interceded on Israel's behalf that God would not destroy Israel. And in so doing, Moses appealed to the nature of God. And he accompanied that, accompanied that intercession with a request for God to show him God's glory. It is in response to this intense plea to see God for what God is truly like, like that our text comes. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. May I leave us with certain imperatives that arise from this vision of God. The first is the vision of God that we must emulate and embody in our personal lives. I think as a matter of personal discipline, we ought to excel at compassion and grace and love and forgiveness, and that we ourselves must learn to be slow to anger. We must excel at patience, that gives others the benefit of the doubt and finding measures that we resort to long before we resort to violence and abuse or passing judgment on others. Think of the difference that would make if we defaulted to compassion or gracious or the patient or the forgiving action before we did anything else. We live in a short-tempered society and expletive is never far away from our lips and the most minor infraction is settled with a finality that often results in death. We need to take it up as our mantra to break that cycle and tyranny of ill-tempered conduct. We can do so by reminding ourselves of what God is truly like. I think we can begin with our speech. The psalmist prayed for himself and said, set a watch before my lips, O Lord, and incline not my mouth to speak any evil thing. We can also set out to be more generous and more compassionate and more forgiving. This vision of God spoken of in Exodus text 
as the core and essential characteristics of the nature and character of the God of the Bible or to shape the proclamation and ministry of the church. Could the church nowadays make it as its mantra to be a center of compassion, a center of grace, a center of love and faithfulness, a center of forgiveness? What would the ministry and message of the church look like if that were the case? The cycle of viciousness that is so rampant in the community, the bloodletting is everywhere. Can we tame the tiger? Can we introduce a new narrative of gentleness and compassion, of love and forgiveness? Can we begin with ourselves and with our places of worship? Is there no place in the society that people can be offered the benefit of the doubt, where they can be given a second chance? Is there no one to step to the plate and offer a kind word who can stay or rush to judgment? How can we end the tyranny of unrequited anger and malice? Is it time to promote altruism and build a constituency that gives generously and freely without compensation, reward or benefit? When we give anything we must not take a photograph and print out the size of the check and we must be mindful to protect the dignity of our fellow human being so much of what we do promotes bigness and loudness and brightness as if that is what god is like and what god really likes and here we are reminded that it is compassion it is grace, it is forgiveness, it is slowness to anger. We need to do a rethink, or perhaps we need to do a rewind. Can we put halt to the abuse and diminishment of the dignity of our fellow human being? Can we guard each man's and each woman's dignity and save their pride? It is time for real people of God and real church to come out of hiding. Can we make a stand for compassion? Can we make a stand for graciousness? Can we make a stand for love and faithfulness? Can we make a stand for forgiveness? The church is well positioned to show its faith in God who forgives transgression, iniquity and sin for a thousand generation. The community around us is, desperate, is in desperate need to see what that is like. Some of these things that we are speaking about, they are, there is a generation of people who have never seen those things. It is almost an endangered species that is on the brink of extinction. We have to build a reserve in the church and protect these virtues from extinction. This is the time. And we are in the place to lead the way with compassion, grace, love, faithfulness, and forgiveness. Amen.